We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. What? You, your voice, man. That's what. <laughs> I feel bad. Uh, we should just... This, we, uh, this is the intro. You're good. This is the intro. Okay. <laughs> I love how you're making fun of me in the intro. Yeah, I'm so making I'm little, fun. I'm concerned. You're the so money maker I'm, around here. Hi, Andrew Claudio. Hi, John. Um, how are you? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm a little under the weather, um, but, uh, you know, duty calls. What, what can you say? And and when you have someone on the docket, like today's guest, uh, Monica McNutt, who you have seen on uh, MSG, of course, for years, has been on ESPN recently. Uh, she's uh, certainly a rising star in the sports media industry. Um, she was kind enough to give us uh, a little time today, and we had a great conversation, really got into some some fun stuff, some interesting topics about the Knicks. Um, and it really uh, crystallized a lot of uh, what I've been thinking and, and feeling about this team over the last several days. So I think you'll enjoy this conversation. Uh, Andrew. Hi, John. How are you doing? I'm significantly better than you. It sounds like I will just want to let everybody know in a moment of shameless promotion. Uh, the reason John's voice sounds so poorly <laughs> is because for the last three hours, we've been podcasting for about half an hour of that. We took a break from one pod to talk to Monica McNutt, as John mentioned, who we'll hear in just a second. And for the hour before and the hour after, John joined me and Mr. Bernardo Zrowski on Final Review to talk about the movie Logan, a fun conversation that I yes. think you guys will in enjoy if you're into the, that movie, that industry, that franchise, uh, it was celebrated in a way that I think was appropriate, especially talking to the guy across from me that I've known for years, loves that movie and literally gave his entire voice to us talking <laughs> about it for the last three hours. So thank you, John. And guys, go check that episode out because John gave up his voice for that it, episode. It was more than worth it. I've been preparing for that uh podcast for the past few weeks since you asked me to be on and um you know did a lot of uh watching rewatching, mm -hmm. uh so on and so forth so that was good um it was also you know a good distraction today because 
you know, I'll be honest, uh, writing about, thinking about, talking about the Knicks over the last few days has been um, a little stressful. Is that, the right word? is that the better word? Straining? Well, strain, straining is actually the perfect word. Yeah. That's exactly what it's been. It's been a straining. And um, I still, I can't, the part of the fact that it's part of why it's been straining is because I can't quite fully wrap my head around around why it's so straining because they they are again as many have said on Twitter and and people have written it's like you shouldn't be that stressed about a team that's five and three that sells a good net rating that sells a lot of good stuff going for it that is a young superstar as as JB you know put it better I think in our podcast earlier this week there's like the things the boxes that you'd want to check for the season are like being checked um as we'll as we'll get into it Monica in a bit but there just is a real feeling of um, unease within the fan base right now. And uh, it's just, it doesn't, it's not completely because of expectations. I don't think, I think it's just like, there's something, I don't know. I, I, I've been trying to verbalize it and I can't really do a good job of it. Yeah. I think what's, what's bothered me more than anything else. Cause I, like I come from Mets world. I come from jets world. Uh, I, expectations falling short is something I'm used to. Mm. Um, I, the other half of this fan base comes from Yankee and giant world where the expectations are high and that sometimes they're unrealistic. What's bothered me more than anything else is the lack of nuance where you can be frustrated with a game or a player and the end of the world doesn't have to be the solution. You can be upset with Emmanuel Quickly's shooting yeah. slump to start the season. It doesn't mean benching him yeah. for a guy that's never played an NBA game and more specifically, never finished second or on, a, on the second team all rookie last year. You can should've have been, a children first. Like you can have a longer leash with the guy. And like last night. With with Rose having the game, he that I thought he should have. I mean, listen, I'm, my flag is firmly planted on this island that yes. Rose should be playing more. But I actually thought there was a world with Kemba struggling the way he did and quickly defending the way he was. Like, see if quickly this is the game he's going to shoot it shoot out of his slump. He's two for five. He hasn't taken a three yet. The way they're defending is forcing them to not take as many threes. So mm-hmm. why not just have another good shooter on the floor? So the point being is like patience really should be a virtue. They have the exact same record this year as they did last year at this time. And last year at five and three, we were rejoicing. So I I'm, I'm begging you guys be frustrated at two straight losses. Don't think this means we're a play in team. Yeah. The, well, a couple of things. One, I do. I, I understand expectations being raised and expectations should be raised. And Monica, I'll save save this point for her because she speaks about it directly. Um, And, you know, that's fine. Um, But at the same time here, you know, here's what it it comes down to for me. I think what's tough is last season was uh, such a special year and there was this holier than thou quality about this team um, that not that they were better than other teams. They certainly lost games. I mean, again, they were 25 and 27 after 52 games. Um, but there was just a spirit about them. And, and, you know, even in, even in losses there, I can think of a lot of losses that were like good losses. They were hard, mm. they, like, encouraging losses. Um, that has not been the feeling of this year. And I think 
this is more what it feels like to have a normal basketball season where you're going to have teams or games where your team is just incredibly frustrating. Like this is most fan bases. I think even of good teams or decent teams have nights like this where you're like, well, what the fuck went wrong that night? Well, to that point, Losses like this happened last year. I know we all think that the Knicks, like oh, every yeah, game did. was cl- every game was close. Every game was yeah. like we could have won every game. No, like Knicks had losses where they just couldn't make shots because of the, the pace and how and limited they were on and, offense. And yeah. like teams pulled away in the second half. They had games like this. They just happened later in the year that we were able to appreciate the some of its parts as far as the way last season goes. I also think, and you hinted on this last night on the post game there's a lot of old school Knicks fans adjusting to the modern offense. Um, mm. I think you, the reality is that when you take a lot of threes, some nights they're not going to fall. They didn't even yeah. take a lot of threes last night, but shots were not falling. This is just the nature of modern NBA offenses. A lot of games where teams take 30 to 40 threes, there's going to be nights where you don't make as many as you do when you are, when you're, when your guys are on, yeah. you know, the Rockets really were the the ones that spearheaded the three headed or, or to an extreme level. The Warriors are the ones that perfected it and made everybody modernize to take more threes. But the Rockets are the team that were like, okay, we're just going to take 40 to 50 threes a game. And their legendary game seven loss to the Warriors in 2018 is the 0 for 27 in a row and seven for 44 from three in game seven. Still performance. Like the, the number's correct, but there are going to be nights when you live and die by the three where you'll die by it. I get the frustration if you're not used to seeing it. The nights you live by it are more accurate to where the NBA is now. What I prefer, like go to the rim when you can't score. Yes, but you do see that in the other half of the shots throughout the game. And I would encourage Dicks fans that are getting used to this team finally having a modern style NBA offense to just... Be patient. Like there are going to be nights when they hit 18 threes. There are going to be nights where they go five for 24, five for 30. You know, that's just the nature of the way basketball is played now. Yeah. I, you know what it is? I, I think once, once the team gives uh, the fan base a sense of security and ease in terms of, okay, we know what this team is and we know what their baseline is. Um, I don't feel like we've arrived there yet. Um, I don't feel like we've arrived there at either end of the floor. The closest we came was earlier in the season when they were jacking up a bunch of threes, as you, as you kind of implied, they haven't put up as many. So it's like, there's just a little bit of confusion. Like what, what exactly is this team? Um, and I think they're, I think they're still figuring that out. And I think that's part of the problem. Can I anyway. throw a hypothetical at you real quick? Yeah, sure. It's actually not specifically Knicks related. It's NBA related. So have you, are you aware of what the Manning cast is? No. Not at all. So no. Eli Manning and Peyton Manning now on Monday Night Football. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. What that okay, so they, they it's a very successful and popular way to watch Monday Night Football now. And the NBA has said they want to have their own version of the Manning cast. But the two that they've suggested are former Knicks, Jamal Crawford and Quentin Richardson. Now, don't, no disrespect, but they're, neither of them are future Hall of Famers. Neither of them are on the same level as Peyton Manning and Eli Manning, even though one of them is a Hall of Famer. Um, so I ask you, John, you're top of the head, but I did just make you go through a bunch of lists on final review. Do you have an idea of who you would want as your number one option for a Manning cast type of NBA experience where you get to watch a game with two people? You mentioned, so like, 
one hypothetical I that's, thought that's I'd throw at you is, is the Van Gundys. Like if you just watch a game with Jeff and Stan, they, since I they'd got, be my, how you, got how you felt about them a couple of weeks ago. They, they'd be my easy top choice. But as far as like former players. Yeah. Um, I have one, but it couldn't be on ESPN because it would need a sensor. Who like Steven Jackson, Kevin Garnett and anybody. I'd need Kevin Garnett talking <laughs> shit about every single player that he used to play against and the unfiltered version of KG that we never got on, on TNT. I mean, he'd never do it, but like, I'd like to hear Michael Jordan, mm. you know? Yeah. Like, that would be great. His unfiltered opinions on these guys. Like that would be phenomenal, but we're, again, yeah. we're, ne- we're, we're never going to get that. Um, yeah, Jordan, Jordan and Garnett would be two guys that would be pretty good, but I don't know who either of their partners would have to be for that to be really, really top notch. So um, what about the TNT crew? Like you go in with Ernie and Chuck and and Shaq, although not sure how much of Shaq I could tolerate for for an entire basketball game. But um, Chuck, I used to actually like when he would do color commentary on on the TNT broadcasts. I, I like Chuck. Um, I like Chuck. I'm, yeah, I'm fine with. I could do without Shaq. Um, how about the Gasol brothers? Oh, that's if you're gonna go fully with brothers. Yeah, we're gonna go I brothers, guess that's the right? option. I guess if you wanted to keep it with the the brothers option, uh, Seth and Steph. Although Seth, I guess, isn't as doesn't have as big a name as as you'd yeah, like no. for for a Curry brother. Um, They're I guess, also still playing. So yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, that would be weird if Steph if Steph Curry's like. Working at TNT on a Tuesday night. Um, yeah. Oh, so if we're doing that, they got to be retired. Bosch and Wade, if we want to do big three, yeah. and they're like they're comment commentating on a LeBron game. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, I feel like so unfortunately, the obvious one for me is can't happen. It would be Kobe and somebody else. Kobe and MJ, because Kobe, when he would do details wow. that, that on was what the ESPN, came to mind also yeah. he he was really good at that. Uh, Iverson would be interesting. Ooh, um, KG and Iverson. There you go. That's too very unfiltered. I think we found it. That might be the one. Yeah, pretty good. Now, one issue that I think could come up with doing this for the NBA is that Peyton and Eli. There's enough intricacies in the strategy and the, in the X's and O's of football that just them watching any form of the game, they'll pick up on stuff you didn't. Whereas it seems like the previous generation of players, all they do is complain about how basketball is played. So you might get KG being like, throw it down in the post. Why aren't you going back to the basket? And rather than you're going to get a bunch of complaining about how many threes are being taken rather than appreciation. I just want to hear the old KG stories. I don't even care. I'll deal with that. If I get the old stories, that's fine. <laughs> so I think what we're more hinting at is KG just start his own podcast. There you go. Rather during the game that people are potentially watching, which yeah. really is what the main cast is. They're interviewing people during the game. And since football really is just like eight seconds of action at a time, you have all 32 seconds before the play clock runs down that you can interview people, you know? Um, yes. No, I, I, uh, I, I think KG get, get, get a mic in front of KG. That's all. That's the moral of the story. Um, um all right. You need to rest your voice is where I think we're at. I, at this I, point. I think I do. Um, let me give good. a quick announcement. Let me give a quick yes, announcement please. to quick those announcement. who are unaware because we posted on Twitter and we posted it in our, on our uh, Patreon earlier today. Um, if you are interested in signing up for our Patreon, please do. We have a $3, $7, 
uh, $15 and a $33 tier. But as of today, uh, you are able to sign up for an annual subscription, if you like, with the discount of 15% off your yearly price. So if you'd like to lock yourself in for the year, you like the content we've provided so far, go right ahead. Um, If you'd like to stay with the monthly for a little bit before diving into the annual subscription, you can do that as well. You can change your membership um, from monthly to annual at any time if you'd like. Uh, my only thought was more that uh, um, if you are a current subscriber and would like to switch to annual, uh, please go go right ahead and take advantage of that. Again, it's 15% off the annual price. And we plug it all the time. The amount of content we're putting out each week on Patreon, um, it's the same quality that you get from here at the Nick Film School Podcast regularly. And it's a lot of podcast uh, content that we enjoy doing as well. Uh, that's all for me, John. Thank you for being a trooper today. My pleasure, Andrew. And of course, thank you for checking out another episode. Let's get to my conversation with Monica McKnight. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Nick's basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet for Nick's tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that all other sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you could find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110 percent of the difference in the purchase price. When the Knicks schedule came out, there are definitely certain dates we all circled on the calendar. October 20th against the Celtics, 
Christmas Day against the Hawks, January 12th against the Mavericks, even April 6th against Brooklyn. Whether on the road or in the garden, TickPick has you covered. Visit TickPick.com slash filmschool today to save $10 on your first order of Knicks tickets. That's TickPick.com slash filmschool to save $10 on your first order of Knicks tickets today. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, she's a returning guest. Um, it's funny because when I had her on last time, I thought she had like just blown up and I was like, wow, I can't believe I got her on. And then she went and blew up as if the first blow up didn't even happen. I stagger. I stagger at the thought of how much she's going to blow up before the next time we have her on. Did I did I get your head big enough, Monica McNutt? Well, you you did, but you also kept me humble because I'm like, dang, I, what else do I have to do to get another invite? Like, that's the part. <laughs> You know, it's like I, I I don't watch ESPN that often. I'm just going to be I'm gonna be real. You know, okay. some battle scars over the years from mm-hmm. some of the personalities on that particular station. But um, whenever I see whenever I scroll through Twitter and I see your face, um, you know, talking with the folks on that on that network, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm just going to say, I'm like, that's my girl. <laughs> it's like she's like, I'm like, that's my girl. Um, congratulations on everything. Thank you, friend. I appreciate that. Um, it's been fun and it's, it's been great to be able to rep the Knicks with lots of positivity and it be met with, that's a great way to look at it. You know what I mean? And not like shenanigans, which we know some folks can offer. Well, I I feel like whenever you go on one of these national programs, whether it's a, you know, a podcast with Brian Windhorst or one of the shows on ESPN, or even when you're when you're on MSG, um, it's it's an interesting it's a you know, good entry point into talking about this team. It's it's a it's a tough line to toe because there is all the history and and the the not so great stuff from the last twenty years, and now we are kind of entering this world where it seems like, hey, the Knicks. How about the Knicks? There's some good stuff going on with the Knicks. So you know you, you don't want to overdo it. But at the same time, like you just said, you want to you want to represent the team and you want to proudly represent the team and you want to be there and be like, OK, there's some real good stuff going on here. So I'll just start there. Like, how, how has it been for you over the last you know few months and everything to, to talk about this team? What's it been like? I think the toughest point for all of us involved with this team, fans of this team or, you know, in my capacity uh, professionally was um, Trey Young and company last year. But getting past that. Honestly, it's been great because I think um, there's so much promise. And Macri, I'm going into year four, I guess, approaching year four in terms of working with MSG. So my timeline and my history, there's always been a glimmer of hope and it's been able to be built upon. And so while I have tremendous respect for decades long Knicks fans and all that you've been through, you know, Sarah Spain made this point the other day and we were discussing the Braves who went on and won the world series, but she was talking about in Chicago when the Cubs went on their run so much of that history, the fans bring. Whereas at that point, the longest tenured player for the Cubs before they won the world series had only been there for five years. Right. And so I think it's really cool that I kind of intersect being able to have earnest conversations with you or even Alan Hahn, who's been here at Pito Wally, those guys who've been here through it all. But at the same time, I'm telling you what I see with fresh eyes and just honest basketball talk. And so I think the ability to separate what was from what is for me is one of my powers. And you, and might I say, 
you do it very well. Thank you. Um, yeah, no. It, it, so, I mean, look, four years uh, is, I think that's an eternity in basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, you could come a long way uh, in, in a short amount of time if, if a couple of things break right. Um, it's funny. You actually remind me of a conversation I had with one of your colleagues, Rebecca Harlow, on this podcast, you know, a couple of years ago when, you know, it, it, Scott Perry was here. Um, Mitchell Robinson was here, but for the most part, it was, it was the old regime and like, yes, there, there was positivity to latch onto back then, but it it seems like something really flipped at some point, you know, between then and now I'm curious as we're, we're sitting here and I know the team has lost two games in a row and you know, that little little dispiriting performance against Pacers, although I think it was just kind of an off night. We'll, we'll talk about it in a bit. Um, I think by and large, we feel things are good. Things are heading in the right direction. Is there like one thing for you that you think about or you look back on and like, this is when I think they really started to figure it out, whether that's, you know, drafting RJ Barrett, you know, Julius Randle kind of changing his game, Leon Rose coming aboard, like, or do you think it's kind of been like a a more, a bigger process and it all blends together? I think it's two things. I think it's Tibbs getting hired. And I actually do think, that RJ is a huge piece of what's going to happen. But it's hard to say that without acknowledging Julius's Rand- Julius Randle's commitment to improving and taking his game to the next level. But to me, Tibbs, Julius last year, um, and then RJ just being as steady as he is, having a dad who is a professional, going to a Duke, right, and always being highly touted. Like, I just cannot wait for the ceiling on him. I just, I'm all in on RJ Barrett. Um, but I think last year's team, led by Tibbs, the identity, right? Like, I remember how this went. I had been in and out for regular season stuff and then we're approaching the playoffs and it was like, hey, wait, but the Knicks are leading in all of these defensive categories. Like, legit, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it wasn't pretty at times. We all watched it. Yeah. But here was the fruit of their labor. And I, we can honestly look back and say that they were the beneficiaries of some fortuitous bounces because of COVID. However, you absolutely play the hands that you've been dealt, yes. right? And so I think the way that they were able to handle themselves last year, persevere, find themselves in a spot um, that earned them a playoff spot, Tibbs being coach of the year, all of Julius Randle's success without a premier point guard, right? In spite of, in many ways. We could say it. It's okay. It's a safe place. Right? It was the first, it was the bedrock, I'll call it, to kind of building the foundation in this thing moving forward in a really real direction. Uh, I'm happy you brought up Tibbs because I think you know, uh, whatever the, the special sauce was last year, uh, he, he was the chef. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it, there was some skepticism. I, I'm sure you remember when he was hired about whether he was the right guy for a, a coach of a, um, what was thought to be a rebuilding team, a team that was still several years away. And then we saw what he did. What I'm, what I've been getting asked a lot already this year. And I don't, I don't agree with this line of thinking, but like, you know, the Tibbs effect, is, is it already starting to, to wear off or guys like getting, and I don't, I don't see it. I think it's more like last year was last year. And Tom has said this in press conferences into the media. He's like, last year's over. It's I think Julius has even said something to this effect. This is a new year. You have to build things from, from scratch from here on in. And I, I respect that. And I, I get it. So I'm curious, like, where do you view that kind of in the same way that, that he does? Yes, but I, it is my job to discuss the expectations. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And so there are those, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I completely understand that. However, pick a sport, pick your favorite team. Success is defined by sustainability. Yes. So do I expect this team to be top three in multiple defensive categories this particular year? Oh, we've already seen that. That probably will not be the case. <laughs> Maybe However, not. do I legitimately see where they should be in the playoffs? Yes. Now, my podcast early or yesterday we did my podcast and we really sat down and we're digging into like this Eastern conference standings. The East is no joke this year, right? No joke. And so I do not take lightly if it's the eighth spot. I think this team is better than that. However, the East is no joke. And I think the margin that separates, I mean, you really could go four through eight, four through 10 play in, right? You, you that- could even go deeper. I think you actually go down to like 12 and 13. And that may sound crazy, but like, it doesn't. I mean, Orlando, by the way, Orlando beat us. You mm-hmm. look at Orlando, they're down there. Detroit's having a rough go of things, but like your Cleveland's, your Toronto's, your, your Indiana's, your Charlotte's. These are teams that people, ah, they're not going to be real. They look pretty good. I mean, the Celtics are going to figure it out. I don't, you know, they might, they're not going to be top five, but like they're still in play. You know what I mean? So Chicago, here we go. So if I say to you, this team finished in the eighth this year, they finished four last year. You have to look at it. Basketball. Don't, don't be one of those people that's guilty of just looking at box scores and standings. You got to watch this year. And so I think to me, how we define growth and improvement and building on said bedrock cannot be limited to statistics. We got to look and see how things are going down, how the team is evolving, uh, how they're playing basketball. So um, my expectation is to build upon it. I will not allow my expe- expectations solely to be defined by statistics, though. You you are as New York as they come. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you, I, I wonder how difficult that is for, so, for some fan. Because here's the thing. I feel this way and I can admit it as New Yorkers. I have an inferior, not inferiority complex. I have a, a um, no, the opposite superiority complex. It's like, we're New York. You know, we it, like, once you get things in place, you have to succeed. Right. And I think a lot of fans had an expectation coming into the season that by the way, after the five and one start, everybody's like, okay, well, clearly we were right. This is going to be a two or a three seed and they are going to win 50 games. I wonder how difficult it is going to be for some people to focus in on that exact thing that you just said, which is like, look at the process, like look for the signs of growth and, and look at the fact that, look, it may not happen automatically. It may be a little up and down, you know, but they're, they're working towards something. And I just, I don't know. I wonder, is that going to be difficult for people? Yeah. Because if the Knicks are your only team, you're only looking at the Knicks, right? Like (laughs) by default of my job, I can tell you why it looked different versus the Pacers and the Raptors, as opposed to the first matchup with the magic. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm responsible for looking at the league with more of a macro perspective. Um, And so I can tell you, I mean, you can tell me because you're, you know, consuming basketball all the time too, but honest people that are following the league as a whole, come on out. You just mentioned it. Charlotte, like LaMelo Ball improved already was a good year. Like bridges. Are you kidding me? Like skyrocketing Chicago. Yeah. They got depth issues, but if DeRozan and Levine and ball again, can string that together as a basketball person, I'm partial to bigger guards. So if it becomes Knicks bulls, like uh, LaMelo versus Kimba, like, mm, like, you know what I mean? Like we can get into the nitty gritty of why a Toronto Raptor squad who didn't have Scotty Barnes or Pascal Siakam, just the matchup problem that OG on Anobi was, you know what I mean? So like they're a pain in the ass to deal with. <laughs> and I, I kept, so it's so funny though, because even with the guys, like Alan will give you all the numbers yeah. and I have coined the phrase number soup. 
I could care less about the numbers. I'm telling you what I saw as far as basketball goes. And we literally were in the green room arguing about three-point shooting for the Raptors. Cause he's like, okay. Gary Trent Jr. doesn't shoot threes. Dig into all the numbers. Pito chimes in. He averages two a game. I'm telling y'all what I saw in the game before they came to the garden where them mm-hmm. boys was getting good looks and shooting that ball with confidence. And look what's happening in the garden. Like yes. you keep your stats. I'm telling you what kind of momentum and what my basketball eyes um, allow me to see. And so I think if you are solely into the Knicks, it will be very challenging to say, oh, why are we not in this category or this doesn't look like it improved from last year. But you have to take more of a macro approach and understand that the East is going to be a beast. And quite frankly, you have given up some of what you hung your hat on last year defensively in exchange for more potent offense, which we saw the offense stall out in the playoffs last year. Yeah. And, and I think, and that was one of the topics that came up after uh, the Indiana game, which is someone actually said, take your, you know, three point shooting and shove it. I want my defense back. And, (laughs) and, and and my, my, your response was like, look, you, you can't win in the league today if you don't have guys who could do stuff on the perimeter and space the floor, give the defense some time. It'll, it'll, you know, it, it doesn't have to get to last year's level. It, it, it just, mm-hmm. you got to be respectable. You got to be able to get stops when you really need them. They haven't necessarily been able to do that so far. Um, I want to go back to RJ because um, you brought him up. And I think, you know, for me, I've always been, you know, you say, talk about, watching the whole league. Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like I've watched the rest of the league, the other young players in the league. And I did not feel at times over his, definitely not his first year. And even at times last year, he necessarily deserved to be in the same conversation as, as some of the other tip tap tip guys. I think massive disrespect leaving off some of these lists. Um, but I, I also am like, you know, people were like, Oh, he's right there with like Ja. Right. John Morant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, let's let's ease on on, <laughs> on the brakes a little bit there. Um, now, what we're seeing to me is I'm going to just I'm going to ask you, is, is this the leap for R.J. Barron? You know what I mean when I say the mm-hmm. leap? is he taking the leap right now? I hope so, Macri. I think we are seeing that he has the tools and capability to take the leap. And I think the world of R.J. However, RJ, the person is RJ, the basketball player too. Right. Yeah. And he's a great guy, but part of, if we just go with Ja, right. Yeah. Part of Ja to me is Beyonce, Sasha Fierce. Like when Ja comes <laughs> on the court, you know what I'm saying? Like it's an alter ego, right? Yeah. yeah. I've been, you know, bumped into Ja's family, his folks out of summer league, like chilling, like my people good can pay the kid to go give me some popcorn. Like he's chilling on the court. That's not it. No, RJ is a great guy on and off the court. Right. And until he catches an elbow or doesn't get a call and then he rattles off his signature RJ three baskets. Yeah. He's just a nice guy on the court. Right. So does he have the physical ability to take the leap? Yes. I personally love that he wants to hang his hat and take pride in being the guy that has to stop the other wing threat. Right. But I need a little more nasty. Right. And I think part of that with the power of the New York Knicks and the city and his productivity puts him further into the national conversation because, and I, again, RJ's my dude, but until he rattles off 30 and even sometimes when he has a 30 point night, it isn't always the most memorable in terms of moments. He he gets some of his points quietly. He's so, uh, and and that's, that's great praise. And that's for fine. That's not, that, that's not, a, right? yeah, that's okay. You know what I mean? But at the same time, when I think of guys, in his class, right? Or just guys, period, that are the guy, it's, it's, it's some nasty to it. Like, I just need to see a little more nasty. 
one one stat I've always looked at for him over, over the first two years, and I'm looking at again this year is free throws. If it's one, like he'll he'll get better at finishing. He'll get he'll he'll eventually shoot threes off the dribble. I know that's coming. I want to see like you are so you're six six two. I don't know what he is. He's not a small man. Um, like <laughs> use that, right? Yeah. You know, use that to your advantage. Yeah. And I feel like that's, I think that's falling in line with what you're saying, like getting, getting more nasty out there. Yeah. And, and I think, and this is where, okay, year one, we got the bedrock. We understand one of the, one another's personality as Wally has pointed out and Taj and Nerlens and Derek, all the guys that were with Tibbs at other points, he's smiling more than he ever has. He's learning. Personally, just from my observation, less than 10 games and approaching 10 games, RJ, and I think the entire team, but RJ in particular would benefit more if there were more actions besides that high pick and roll. And then that every now and again, double stagger at the top. And then everybody's kind of waiting and maybe Mitch is in the paint for somebody's loop around pass. Like I, I'm, it was crazy. The other night I'm watching Warriors Hornets. And I think before that Miami, Miami played Dallas, I think. Uh, yes, they did. Uh, and they beat the, beat the snot out of them. But I'm looking at these offenses and I'm like, there's so much more action. Like there's just so much more action. And it is an incredibly difficult task at any level of basketball, but especially in the National Basketball Association with the world's best players to score straight up in your half court set. I don't care who you are, like straight up in your half. It's just tough. And so to me, this team has to find other easy baskets besides lobs to Mitch. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Boy, you bring up a touchy subject because this has been a persistent complaint, I think, about even as he was winning coach of the year last year about Thibodeau is why is there not more creativity in the office and my response in the offense and my response is always, look, he has a philosophy. He tells you what his philosophy is. Get to on the ball. Get two on the ball and make the right play. It's it. He he will tell anybody who's willing to listen. And through and this is a to transition. To the other thing I want to talk about through a year and change of the Thibodeau era that has meant featuring Julius Randle. Julius Randle is the best matchup advantage. Julius Randle could bring a, a second guy to the ball, right? And then he makes the right pass. I wonder, is it now time to start diversifying from that? And how do we do that? And how is it going to look if it's less Julius and more RJ? Do you how do you think that's going to go over? So here's my thing. I think we can have it both. I'm not asking Tibbs to completely change the philosophy, but when two come to Julius, there still can be another action on the weak side so that when RJ comes to the open spot, like he's cleaner than the help side guy being able to stunt at Julius and still recover to RJ. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not asking you 
to rewrite the entire book. And, and for all I know, some of this instruction already could be being given and guys are having brain farts on the court. I don't think that that's it, but it's a, it's possible. Like well, it's also new pieces too, right? Kevin yeah. Fournier they're I mean, they're with the team for eight games now. Yeah. And I think Julius to me has shown a willingness to make the right pass, but you know, again, watching the whole league, like it's kind of like what Marcus Smart said, the game plan is for Julius. The game plan in in Seattle and the Celtics for the Boston is to Jalen and Jason. So like, come on now, you know, like you and I see this. So, you know, them people on the bench that's getting paid to see it, see it. Right. And so I, I don't think that this is an either or conversation. Basketball is a game of runs. It is a game of adjustments. It is a game of reads. I trust Julius, RJ, Evan, Kemba, Mitch, Mitch maybe less so, but they're professional athletes. Like they can make a read. You know what I mean? Mitch is getting there <laughs> for baby for such a large man. Baby steps. He's getting there. He's getting baby there. steps. I just I don't. I'm not asking you to throw away the entire playbook. Um, and the other, I'm not either, and I don't think they should, especially since I think we see uh, with with a lot of players today. You know, and and how much do you cater to this? Like. Guys like to play the way I think, I think you would know better. You would know much better than me. Guys like to play the way the Knicks play where a guy like Julius gets a chance to show off his individual stills. And Hey, guess what? Got him second team all NBA last year. Yeah. Got yeah. him eighth in MVP voting. Mm-hmm. Right. But when you look at a guy like RJ, um, he is, and I, I don't want this to come off as a, a diss to, to Julius. That's not what this is. RJ is such a smart player. And I think his best, his hoops IQ if it's not his top quality, it's up there and you see it in the way he cuts. I think you see it in the mm-hmm. way he occasionally finds cutters. And and I think that is when you're talking about trying to replicate some of what the Heat do, some of the, what the Warriors do, who would benefit more from that than R.J. Barrett? And I don't think it's anybody. R.J. is me, right? Like, And not to like tout my basketball career, but like I remember I used to hate going to the coaches showcases where we would all show up and we'd play, but we weren't playing with our team. I wasn't the pickup chick. Like and my dad used to be like, you play great defense. He's like, I know this isn't your thing because I just wasn't. I wasn't. Give me the ball. I'm about to do my thing. Like that just wasn't me. I wanted to play basketball in the beautiful high IQ way. Now, if you, if we pulled up on pick pick up and I had one or two of my teammates, everybody was like, Oh, y'all play together. You could tell because we knew one another and had that kind of feeling. So when I watch RJ, like that's probably why I have the biggest soft spot for him because he's got all this, the tools he needs, but he's so smart. And so again, the thing about it is that this is not one or the other. And I think sometimes people forget that like, Hey, pass the ball. That doesn't mean it's not coming back. Like if Julius still is the best matchup, if at a bare minimum, move the ball around a couple of times, see if the defense is going to play it honest, get at their legs. And then it goes back to Julius. You know what I mean? Like at the bare minimum. Um, And so I think I've been wrestling within the last few games. How do we feature RJ sooner? Because I think he has that type of engine and ability, which would ultimately help take some of the load off of Julius, where it seems like he seems to be our kind of second half guy. Um. And he may like it that way, but just in general, I'm so excited this year when I see this team out in transition, when I see some delightful cuts in the half court, like I'm all for easy baskets because when we get to the dog days of the season, and of course, when we get to the playoffs, like it doesn't get easier. No, um, you might as well get the easy ones while you can. Now, mm-hmm. I, I what I've 
you just made me think of it. Um, a nice wrinkle that I feel like they've introduced this year that I don't feel like they did a ton last year is the more aggressive uh, defense. Not all the time. You can't go to it all the time, but the stuff to try to force some turnovers, um, you know, and get, get easy opportunities. We saw it in some of their bigger wins or in some of the, the better parts of their bigger wins. Um, I, I wonder, is that a solution you know, to some of the defensive issues that, that they've been having. I also happen to think last night against the, um, against the Pacers was just not a great matchup for them. Um, Miles Turner hitting seven threes. It's like, you know, to a certain extent you tip your cap, um, which actually it's a good transition to, to some of the things I want to finish up with. So um, I feel like this team's rotation is set. Um, we, we, they have their 10 guys. Some people are like, ah, I want to see Quentin Grimes, whatever. Um, but for the most part, I think we know what these, this is. What do you, what do you see as the next step for this team? I, whether it's internal development, whether you're like, man, I'd really love to see someone at this position who could do this. Or do you, are you just kind of like, I, I want to give this team a chance to, to see what they could do this year as is. I don't think that they, this group has found this year's defensive identity yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that again, like we're not throwing away the whole play, the whole playbook the Tibbs signature is going to be there somewhere. I think they're still working on what that looks like with this group. I personally think Obi can steal more uh, minutes and easy buckets. You went right um, to my heart there. I Listen, name. and so my wish, we did this before our first game. My wish is that Obi would have the same kind of intensity that RJ has about being a defensive player and then just run the floor. Like just yep. be that gazelle that I love um, and give me some high quality defense from that second unit. Because I think I was talking to a friend the other day and I was like, God, if Obi could give me Scotty Barnes, right? Like I know he uh-huh. was drafted after him, but if you think about the size, the ability to run the floor, um, Obi's a better shooter. Scotty will, Scotty has more diversity in his game in that he will go back to the basket or attack from wherever. Oh, he's so but good. If, if he could, if I was like, if Obi can give us, some of that. And I think his defense this year has made strides. He looks more confident on the floor. Like Obi's he's on the right track. Yes. But I really feel like there's something there um, that could help this team significantly. And then, you know, I'm looking at a lot of the young guys quick has to find his shot. That's, there's no secret with that. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about him before we, 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 I, <laughs> you, you brought it up. So I know I don't have to feel bad. I, I'm not, I'm not worried yet. I'm maybe, am I wearing orange and blue? colored glasses when I look at quickly, I'm, I just, I, I know the work ethic and I, I know what I saw last year. I didn't imagine that. I know we didn't imagine that. I agree with you. I'm not, I'm not worried, but I know how challenging slumps can be it, and it just compounds. Right. And so I don't know how a slump works on the NBA level, but I do know the compounding nature of a slump. And so again, Okay, so go and harass whoever second unit point guard is and and do that. Give me that energy. Mm-hmm. Like I think smart basketball players are okay, X isn't working, but Y is. Let me find my momentum, energy, and confidence to agree a degree with that. Cause I'm even watching him now lately and he's he's watching his jumper. He's you he's got that hopeful follow through as you gotta let that thing fly. Like you could tell he's thinking about gonna, it. Right. You either go miss it or make it. Come on, let's go. Yeah. Um, so those are those are two things for me. And then I'm I'm keeping an eye on Kimba. Through, through the first four, I was like, hmm. Then he picked it up and was shooting crazy from three. Um, but obviously, knock on wood, I've loved his story. He has to stay healthy first. But they do this, and I know you've noticed this. Julius will bring, bring, 
Julius will bring the ball down sometimes. And Kemba's in the two spot? Yeah. Which, okay, sometimes sort of, but okay. Like, <laughs> I'm just kind of waiting to see how that one completely pans out. I just, it, it, we keep coming, we keep bringing it back to Julius. It's just, it's such a fascinating, he is so fascinating to me because we have really never seen, correct me if I'm wrong, if there's someone you could think of, I, I, I don't know that there, we've ever seen a story quite like him of a guy who like, we knew what he was as an NBA player. And it's not like he didn't get time to show what he was in LA. And then he just reinvents himself as, as, as an MVP candidate in year seven, right? Yeah. Yeah, Year Mm -hmm. seven. But there's still the memory of what he was in new Orleans in his last year in LA, this like devastating finisher who took, you know, 400 some odd shots around the rim in a season and shot them at an obscene clip, you know, when he wasn't the engine of the offense. And I, I keep, in my like dream world, I'm like, can we just be- blend both of these worlds? Like we yeah. have Kemba Walker. Now we have RJ Barrett who wants to do, and that's, I don't know. Is that pie in the sky stuff? I, but it, it is something that's been on my mind. I, I, yeah. It sounds like it's been on, on your mind too. I don't think it's pie in the sky, but like now I'm thinking back, I can't even remember who all was with him in New Orleans, but if we just go to LA, right. Well, it, was, like, it was Drew and AD. And then in, in, in LA, it was still, it was ball. It was, uh, Brandon was still there uh, Ingram yeah. and Josh Hart. It was like the young guys. Yeah. So I just, I know that Drew wears orange and blue and the leadership role. He takes that to heart. Right. Yeah. And so I just wonder, and it's funny because as we're w- working through this, I'm thinking of the many conversations I had as a young girl with different coaches about you like coaching girls or boys. It's like girls because they listen, right? And, and if this was a if this was girls, it would just be like, all right, let's uh, go, RJ, you do it. Like I'm gonna go over here, you do it. But I feel like yeah. because you worked so hard last year to become and the reinvention and the whole thing that there's still this working push and pull of can I bring some of that back and trust Evan or RJ or Kimba and Mitch is still on the floor. Like there's like, there's this, there's this like man thing where y'all men see leadership as I got to do it. Exactly. And y'all to a man leadership is doing it's, it's doing it's, these are the roles. Like this is very mansplaining right now. I'm like, listen, come on. (laughs) You're, you're, you're hit. You're absolutely hitting the nail on that. You know what I mean? Because, Um, that yeah. your what you just said though, Macri, would be like my dream of like RJ getting going earlier in a game and then yeah. juice back to wrecking within five feet of the basket. And then Mitch is setting some crazy screens and actually sitting still on the whole screen instead of looking to slip it so quickly. Like, you know what I mean? We can have it all, guys. We have 40 minutes to well, what is it? And then we have 48 minutes. 48 minutes, yeah. <laughs> we can have it all 48 minutes. Um, I, I gotta let you go in two minutes real quick before I uh, sign you off. Give me one thing you've seen in the NBA, one player you've seen in the NBA, one whatever that is interesting to you. Um, so I'm in on, I'm in on quality size point guards that are just super steady. Jalen Brunson. Oh yes. Um, I know Luca gets all the, all the Luca things and rightfully so. Um, Jalen Brunson, Malcolm Brogdon, Malcolm Brogdon, although he got paid though, but those two guys is Jalen like, Brunson's unrestricted for free. Yeah. This year. Like those two are like some of my favorite guards to watch just in terms of decision-making skill set. Like simple, they're like little baby Mike Conley's maybe that are like healthy. <laughs> um, I, I just I know the way a good PG just or off guard in Jalen's case because technically he's not. Like he's a, a guard. A, I think of him as a combo. 
Well, yeah, combo, yeah. sort of. Yeah. Um, uh, and I know that like goes against all of my Georgetown blood to the Villanova guy, but I'm just such a fan of like, I just, I like Jalen Brunson a lot. I, uh, I would take Jalen Brunson on my team any day. I like Jalen Brunson sure. a lot. Um, okay. Uh, before I let you go, please, if you don't mind, uh, it, I don't know how long it's going to take you, but it, we'll stay here for as long as it takes. Tell the folks at home all the places they can see <laughs> and find you. Uh, Nick's pre and post on MSG networks. Let's go. Okay. For the record, y'all, I'm not going to be there every single game. I will be there for a large chunk, but I do have other jobs and we do have to take days off, but I will be around MSG PM returns to the airways as well. November 10th. My first show won't be till November 15th. Um, in the mix of ESPN, my pod buckets, boards, and blocks. You got to have you on as a guest, Macri. Um, you know, the Twitter, mm. the Instagram, <clears throat> last name first, McNutt, Monica, I'm around. <laughs> You're around. Um, listen, I told you last time you like continue being the inspiration for all the people out there who look at you and you say, if she could do it, I could do it. Um, that's, that is, that is, I don't need to tell you how important that is. Um, yeah. so thank you. For, I love for, that. No, it's that's that's real. Um, okay, uh, Monica McNutt, you are the best. I will watch you on one of the many places that we can watch you and listen to you. Thanks for having me, Macri. All right, thank you for checking out another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Monica. Uh, she's great. Check her out in all the places that uh, she is. And uh, of course, if you like this podcast, feel free to drop a rating, um, a review. Uh, go subscribe. And uh, as Andrew said before the show, if you're interested in getting in on the Patreon, never a better time to do it. We're putting out some great stuff on there. Uh, hope you check that out as well. And uh, we will be back with you with another episode very soon. 